for me, it's just like having, you know, a great balance of women and men. And I think it's really good on set too, which for Christmas, we had a great balance of men and women. Yeah. And it's really, I think it's really important to pretty much for me, there has to be a woman in every single department. Good stuff. Just because I, I want them to get the credit. I want them to move upward. It's like you have to, in this business, you have to build credits. And if you, how do you get them if you don't already have them? Absolutely. So I want to give it to people so that they can continue to work up and yeah. become. And I'm going to challenge you yeah. too. I want to see some people of color in your films, miss. Yes. Okay. Yes, because, I agree. Uh, uh, you know what I mean. I mean, come on. Now. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna give you that challenge. I'm gonna put that in your ear, an earworm well, for you. you. No, I know. I'm aware. I'm calling yes. folks out mm-hmm. on that crap. <laughs> yes, as you should. As oh you my. should. What's so incredible is that, you know, we ended up selling that movie to Image Entertainment for $20,000, which was double wow. our budget. Wow. It was on the shelves of Walmart. It got into video stores. It was Amazon. It was iTunes. Like, it totally propelled our career. And it's always that thing of, like, you never know. You just have to do it. We did not have any expectation that we would ever sell that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a very good film. We did a good job. We're talented people, but we didn't really think we would get, like, a sales agent and go to American film market and sell it to a major distribution company. So I'm so glad that we said, let's just make a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Salute to that. Good morning, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. I'm Max Cole, and uh, you know me as the host and the producer of this show, and I am broadcasting here live on the Mixler app from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. It is morning time here. Hopefully it's maybe afternoon where you're at, but my goodness, is it hot here in sunny Los Angeles. But thanks so much for joining me on this broadcast here this morning. I want to remind all of our listeners that you can listen to all the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this show, make sure you or they reach out to me via the contact link that is on our website. Please make sure you have some skin in the game, though, prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. That's something that we value for credibility, and we've got to have something to talk about. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone listening, this is an information and discussion-based podcast. We do not censor ourselves, and we Sure, the hell do not censor our guests. So please keep in mind that there might be views and opinions expressed on the show that may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. And my goodness, I am so excited this morning to have a wonderful guest here by the name of Alexandra Boylan. And let me tell you a little bit about Alexandra. Alexandra Boylan was born and raised in Georgetown, Massachusetts, where she first began her exploration into acting. This led her to relocate to Los Angeles, and for a decade she has paid her dues. Over the years, she has built a solid resume of independent films, short films, and music videos. Utilizing the skills obtained on dozens of movie sets and harnessing the passion that fuels her, she formed her own production company, Mirror Tree Productions, which has produced numerous feature films, including Home Sweet Home and At Your Own Risk. Now, her company, Mustard Seed Entertainment's film, Catching Faith, is currently streaming on Netflix and can be found on shelves of Walmart. Her most recent film, Wish for Christmas, sold to Pure Flix Entertainment and Universal Studios Home Entertainment. She's an active member of 
Women in Film in Los Angeles, where she sits on the PSA board and hopes to continue creating strong female-driven content for audiences everywhere. Now, Alexandria is the outreach coordinator for Miss in the Biz, somebody that's been on our show, Miss Helena, and a co-collaborator of the book Thriving in Hollywood. And let me bring her on this program. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I am great, and it is a pleasure to have you on the program here this morning. My gosh, it's uh, it's an early rise for me, and I have to tell you, I, I just fueled up on my coffee, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm glad to have you because I know you have a lot of energy, and you are going to actually serve as coffee for me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I've already had my coffee, too. So. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you again for coming on and, and hanging out. I'm so excited to have you here. We've got quite a bit to discuss, and I want to send a shout-out to everybody that's listening to this live. Remember, if you have a question for Alexandra, please feel free to plug that in the chat, and we will get that question out there. But thanks. I love questions. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Me, too, and I like asking them. And I tell you one thing, Miss, you have done quite a bit here. You have been quite busy, so I am uh, kind of I excited. Have. Sometimes it's nice when uh, somebody reads it off because you forget, you know, yeah. you're like, wow, I've done a lot the past five years. No wonder I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite uh, spectacular to say the least. Now, let's start with your backstory a bit. Would you mind sharing where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Georgetown, Massachusetts. So I was about 30 minutes from Boston. And I grew up, I'm a minister's kid, actually, the youngest of four. And I always loved acting. I acted in my father's church and I acted in high school. And I auditioned in Boston a lot when I was in high school for movies. I auditioned for that Jeremy Irons film, Lolita. Oh, yeah. When I was like 14 and I screen tested that and I was working a lot in this area. And then when I was 19, my parents wanted me to do one year of college. And so I did one year of college and then I literally packed up my bags at 19 and I moved out West and I drove my Toyota Corolla to Los Angeles, California. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. That and is awesome. It's awesome. You yeah. do, it's, you know, I was 19, so you don't think about anything you just do it which is why i do think sometimes being a naive kid it's smart to do stuff that when you get older you'll think too hard about it and then you just won't do it but i was so young that i was fearless yeah how did you like that drive by the way i just want to interject here because i did the same thing i think what did i have at that time i had a mitsubishi and i remember (laughs) driving it all the way across the uh, country there and that was quite an adventure i went through a lot of states i remember texas i went through mm-hmm. new mexico which i loved it was beautiful oh yeah i lived in new mexico for three years oh my it's, new mexico is gorgeous yeah. it's ridiculous yeah it's, got it's the, just and the, yeah it's got that sedimentary the new rock sky oh yeah and the sky the, the, the sky the rock uh you know you drive <laughs> through those twisty turns yeah. and uh, it's just beautiful uh-huh. but it's uh, beautiful yeah how was the trip for you it was great. I've done a lot of now driving throughout the country because yeah. I've, I moved to Albuquerque. So I used to drive back and forth from Los Angeles to Albuquerque, which wow. I still do quite often. And then yeah. I shot Catching Faith up in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. So yeah. I actually drove from like L.A. to New Mexico, then New Mexico up to Wisconsin. And then we wrapped that movie. I did a road trip by myself and took my car and drove 
from Minneapolis down to Chicago, over to Ooh, Indiana, over yeah. to Ohio. And <laughs> it was really good after shooting a movie when, you know, you're producing a film and you're in charge of this entire stressful thing to make sure the film gets finished. I just peaced out after once we wrapped principal photography, I was like, I'm going to go take like a, a week and do a little road trip by myself. And it was just such a great thing to do and unwind after the craziness of filming you know, a feature film in 18 days. And yeah. so that was nice. That was nice. So, but it's a beautiful, all the, I mean, I, I would like to do, I'd like to do the Northwest part. I'd Me like to too. do Colorado and Wyoming. I haven't yeah. done that or Utah, yep. but I've done a lot, obviously in the East coast. I've driven from Florida to Los Angeles. Oh yeah. So wow. I've done a lot of, a lot of it. Oh my, um, those, those cross country yeah. <laughs> trips, that 3000 mile plus. Trip. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> my. That's awesome. But it's, but it's it's so great to see the country and so we have such a beautiful beautiful country and you you go into one state and it's just completely different than the next one and yeah the terrain so i i always encourage everyone to get in your car and just go on a road trip just drive oh, and so see, true. see it yeah yeah but how was it you know you got out here and you dove in how did you get started <laughs> in this thing you know how did you navigate this i had no well i didn't know anybody in los angeles I knew nobody. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I moved into a guest house. And after one year of that, my landlord was kind of crazy. And I didn't have hot water. And oh. she was just nuts. And I, by crazy turn of events, I became homeless. Oh, yikes. Brutal. And I had nowhere to live. I had a job. I had a money. Mm -hmm. I just did not physically have a place to live and when yeah. you're in LA and you're young and people don't know you and you don't know people they don't really I didn't have anyone to go live with I really didn't and yeah. so I lived in my car for like a month that's no joke that's no joke yeah. no joke how did you shower I always wonder how folks are able to do that like how did you so I had one girlfriend who lived in a guest house down the street wow and I could go and shower there and change there but I wasn't allowed to sleep there and stay there because her landlord was like no you can't have another person live here wow and so she would let me go and change and shower and but I it was and then like I, I did a little bit of couch surfing but for the most part I slept in my car and then I went to work and it was just it's crazy that was like no that joke. was like a good swift kick in my butt of like yeah. whoa what am I doing? And my parents were like, you should move back. You're, you know, I was like 1920. And they were like, that's probably a sign. You're not supposed to be there. And my sister was oh, like, you no. should move to Wisconsin. And I was like, no, I will not give up. I will right. not give up. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. My God, what an interesting yeah. story. How did you transfer? You know, how did you get things rolling? How did you get that ball rolling? Because, you know, obviously no contacts and no contacts, a, the, kind of a difficult, you know, home situation. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I had a lot of crazy things happening when you know, I moved to LA. But I mean, I feel like that's maybe, you know, it makes you whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And Absolutely. I'm very tenacious. And I I mean, back in the day, I mean, this was like 1999, 2000. So I would buy like Backstage West every Wednesday. And I would like submit my headshots through the mail when we would add the hard copy and yeah. write the address and stamp <laughs> it. And, and I couldn't wait for every Wednesday to like go through Backstage West and submit myself. And, you know, I finally I took it an agent but i mean i i really struggled for 10 years i really could not kind of get that break i, I did a bunch of independent films i'm mm -hmm. good friends with evan glaudel who made a movie called bellflower mm, that, yep. mm -hmm. do you know that movie yeah he is a really good friend of mine him and i used to make shorts like way back i met him when i was like 22 years old and we were making shorts and then i yeah i did a couple things for the asylum you know oh, yeah. the asylum mm -hmm. i did trans morphers and i did yeah. pirates of treasure island and yeah. i did the hitchhiker but i just could not really get an agent and i couldn't 
I wasn't really even auditioning for big stuff. I was only going in for independent stuff and waitressing at night like every typical actress. And literally after 10 years of being in LA, I just, I just... I just felt like I was hitting my head against a wall. I was like a a hamster in a cage going round and round and round. I was doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And I was insane. And so (laughs) I I felt insane. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know why I can't get an agent. And I'm I'm talented. And I studied with Harry Master George for like six years, who's a brilliant uh, brilliant teacher. And he was like, I don't know why you're not working. And I was like, well... I don't know. So after 10 years, I kind of was like, I got to go figure out something else. I got to, I, I can't keep staying in LA and doing the same thing. And so I packed up my bags once again in around 2008, 2009. And I moved out to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wow. And that was like the best decision I ever made for my life because wow, something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Something about getting out of LA helped me think outside the box. So when I moved to LA, I was like, I'm going to pursue acting. I'm going to be an actress. That's mm-hmm. it. And I like, got so tunnel vision that I put away every other talent I owned and I shoved them in a box and said, I'm just an actress. I'm just an actress. And when I went to Albuquerque, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I could write, maybe I could produce, maybe I can make my own movie, you know, like maybe I should like, I, you know, so that's, I mean, so I produced a play called The House of Yes in LA with some friends right before I moved to Albuquerque. That was kind of my first producing job and I really loved it. And then when I moved to Albuquerque, I met a ton of incredible independent filmmakers or, and because Albuquerque is so cheap, I mean, living in New Mexico was really cheap and everybody works in the film industry out there because it's booming. So they're making union wages, living in a low, you know, low, lower. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. cheap. I mean, yeah. I, I think my rent was four hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. to live in a big, huge house. My God. So yeah. So when Fantastic. so because people had more money and when they had time off, they'd be more willing to go make a movie because it's not like in LA where you're constantly working just to pay your rent, just to survive. Exactly. So I got really blessed to meet all these incredible other people that were like, let's just make a movie. Let's just like, so we started making shorts, a group of us started making shorts and then we did a web series. And then finally we were just like, why don't we just make a feature film? (laughs) And, and, and and that's sort of how I got into like producing and writing and creating my own content. Cause I was so sick of waiting for someone else to pick me. Oh yeah. And I just decided to choose myself. And then uh, yeah. And then also just you can't work hard enough for someone to choose you. Yeah, so, so as true. an actor, mm-hmm. I was going insane because I have a really strong work ethic and I'm tenacious and I work with it hard and I want to be a go getter, but I can't work hard enough for someone else to pick me. Oh, so but, true. Right. Yeah. Right. So then when I was able to start controlling my own career, like writing scripts and making movies and producing films, and then in the past five years, my career has thrived because I'm not waiting for someone anymore. I can take the reins and be like, okay, we're going to get this done. Done, and then oh. give myself the part in the movie <laughs> 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 yeah. and then yeah so that was how we all made our first feature film which is called home sweet home yeah. which is a thriller that literally five of us made in alamogordo new mexico we uh john katie graham who's my partner he's the director he, he and his parents have a house in the middle of nowhere in alamogordo we were like let's just write a movie around that location and shoot the whole movie out there i love so, that idea i love that i by the way just to kind of piggyback off of what you said about kind of moving out of la for a bit of time i really mm-hmm. think that's wise to do often especially because it's so expensive here and it's mm-hmm. a pain in the ass to shoot the yes. films and it's it's oh, so much yeah. easier to shoot everywhere else from everything from locations to any type of any type of production detail is so difficult here although 
obviously you have a lot of folks here that work in the industry, which makes, you know, putting together a crew and finding talent and, and so much easier. But I tell you what, it's so much easier to shoot films elsewhere. You just don't have oh, all yeah. the distractions that you have in Los Angeles and all the obstacles. Every movie we've made, we've shot it outside of Los Angeles because of how expensive it is yeah. or because of how difficult permitting is or where the heck do you park people? I don't even exactly. know. I made a Choose Your Own Adventure app game, that we a live action one. Oh, cool. We shot that in LA, but it was like four of us running around with a camera. We yeah. looked like we were just like a student film, but if we we're trying to do a real movie, I mean, I just, I, oh, God. That, LA is overwhelming. I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, the other interesting thing I tell actors is like, you know, when I was in LA as an actor, the only friends I had were really actors. So yeah. how was I, it was hard for me to find a crew. I had, you know, I, I didn't really think of that back then, but when I moved to Albuquerque and I met somebody who wanted to be a director and I met a cinematographer and I met somebody who wanted to be a gaffer. And so then I was able to meet all these other people that had different talents, not like I had five actor friends who were like, well, let's make a movie. We're all actors and we've never even held a camera. We don't know how to light something. So right. it is good to be able to find a way to make friends outside of what you do. And I think sometimes with acting, it's really hard to make friends outside of being an actor because you're probably a waiter or you're probably working in an industry where you're with a bunch of actors or you're in acting class with a bunch of actors. So it was like, for me, just the best thing to go to Albuquerque and meet all of these other people who had different talents than I have that we could all pool our talents and create a film, you know? Oh my God. I love that. By the way, it's also kind of cool to make a, a big splash in a small pond rather than trying Absolutely. to make a, you know, a splash in a, a huge pond. Sometimes you just kind of have to work it the other way and you made it work which is fantastic I mean, <laughs> made it work I, I, well, uh, what's so great about home sweet home was that you know we literally we had done all these shorts and we just said let isn't a feature just a bunch of shorts put together you know we're, yeah. we're making all this we're spending all of our time and, and and resources on shorts why don't we just go ahead and make a feature and we really just thought we were making home sweet home kind of to show our parents or to prove do proof of concept Right. So we were, we shot it just being like, okay, we got literally five of us, five people making a movie. And I flew a couple of my girlfriends, uh, Lorena Segura, York, who's in it, and Raquel Kent, too, who's in it. I flew them in from LA. And then we had the crew guys from Albuquerque. And we all just went out there. And we had like $2,500. We raised it on Kickstarter. This is when Kickstarter yeah, first just started. Right? started. Mm -hmm. It just started. We heard about it. And we were like, what is this? This is cool. We raised like $2,500. We were so excited. <laughs> and we awesome. shot it. And what's so incredible is that, you know, we ended up selling that movie to Image Entertainment for $20,000, which was double wow. our budget. Wow. It was on the shelves of Walmart. It got into video stores. It was Amazon. It was iTunes. Like it totally propelled our career. And it's always that thing of like, you never know. You just have to do it. We did not have any expectation that we would ever sell that movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a very good film. We did mm -hmm. a good job. We're talented people, but we didn't really think we would get like a sales agent and go to American film market and sell That's it you know, to a major distribution company. So I'm so glad that we said, let's just make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Salute to that. We're going to talk about that a bit more. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. distribution. There's a couple of things that I really want to talk about, pick your brain about here. Yeah. Now let's talk about your production company, mm -hmm. mirror tree productions, and your partnership yeah. with mustard seed entertainment. You've yes. had success and have obviously produced work with both companies how did you form mirror tree and then also how did that partnership begin with mustard seed how did you kind of all right so mirror tree rolling? productions yeah so mirror tree productions is what john katie graham and i 
own when we did Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home was under Mirror Tree Productions, and then everything we were doing was under Mirror Tree. Then after we, we uh, our sales rep is Ryan Keller from Instrum International. And he was our sales rep for Home Sweet Home. He sold that film to like seven different countries. And we ended up having a really good relationship with Ryan. I always tell people, this is a very small town. Always be kind because you have no idea where that relationship will propel you or how it will grow into an incredible way, which was Ryan. So Ryan, we would constantly take Ryan out to thank Ryan. We take him to dinner or drinks and be like, thank you for all your hard work on our tiny little movies behalf, you know? (laughs) And so we were talking about making another horror movie called The Night Shift that Mm -hmm. I do want to make about a girl who works overnight shifts in a haunted nursing home. Oh, nice. (laughs) And I want to make it so bad, but we had a meeting with Ryan. This was years ago. Ryan said, you know, the horror industry is a little saturated right now. If you guys make another horror movie and we go back to market next year, I feel like we'll be in competition with so many other horror movies. He goes, but you know what really is hot right now and and distribution companies are paying high prices for is faith-based family movies yeah and he was like so if you guys could do the quality of home sweet home in a faith-based family arena you'd like knock the competition out of the water and i could take that and sell it Mm -hmm. so john and i walked away from that meeting going my dad's a minister i believe in the lord i was like i never thought for a minute i would make faith-based family movies right Mm -hmm. but i was like why not let's go do it so john and i literally walked away from that meeting we went and wrote catching faith the only thing that ryan said we had to have was football because football faith and family (laughs) and america that sells so we literally left that meeting wrote the script and ryan said if you guys make it i'll get the funding so he became our executive producer which is a dream that's a dream of any filmmaker to be like have someone say you make a movie i'll get the money yeah it's incredible so and john and i literally went on the road for like a year to make that movie and and that's how we formed Mustard Seed Entertainment. So we decided that like, if we were going to start working in the, and we're now working in the faith-based arena, we wanted a different separate production company. Plus Ryan Keller is now our business partner. So Ryan, John, and I own Mustard Seed Entertainment and Mustard Seed Entertainment makes all of our faith-based films. Wow. Very interesting to say the least. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to get into some of the films that you've obviously made in a, in a minute. A couple uh-huh. other questions, though. Film distribution, I believe you recently did a podcast uh, and yeah. taught a class where you talked about that yes. a bit, and that's a big topic. Are there any pointers that you can share really quickly about distribution? Because obviously with Ryan and how that, that whole thing works, is there any pointers that you could share? Because you know, yeah. you've got a couple films distributed you know, at your own risk. I do. At your faith and obviously wish for Christmas. Wish for Christmas with Joy Lauren. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I started teaching classes and doing one-on-one co- consultation because when I made Home Sweet Home, there wasn't anything like that. Like, I had no idea what I was doing trying to get distribution. Right. And I don't feel like there's any classes or something you can take that's really practical. Like, you can go to a class where they give you, like, a pie chart and they explain, like, how investment breaks down. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't need to know that. I just need to know practical. Like, how do I get this movie sold? <laughs> so I would say that my uh, quick thing of, is that the most important part of your movie is your poster it is Mm, the most important part of your movie Mm -hmm. it is the face of your movie it is what the distribution companies actually buy movies just based off a poster home sweet home sold off the poster catching face sold off the poster they would like be if you can do the guesswork for a distribution company and pretty much show them why your movie's marketable how your movie's going to make money in an image yeah then you're sold because they're like i can put that on the shelves of walmart i can get that in redbox i know that that'll make money and that's what we we hire Dog and Pony Creative, which is an amazing poster company, and they do our posters. And we have we have yet to really, I mean, 
we have never had our title changed or our poster changed because that's how good they are at their job. When wow. we hire them, they Fantastic. know how to create a poster. Yeah. And it is so important. And people like bark at me about, oh, how much does it cost? I go, I don't, it doesn't matter how it much it costs. Yeah, it's actually more important than yep. your movie. So if you're going to put $350,000 in your movie, you better set aside $5,000 to make an amazing poster. Oh, so because we do that, right. When your sales agent goes to American film market, they go with a book and the book has all the posters and the distribution companies flip through the posters. Yep. They're not going to they're not going to watch your movie. They don't have time. They might give you 10 minutes. Really they're looking at the picture. Right. And then same with Walmart. Walmart picks it uh, picks from a book off of all the posters. And same with video stores. I know they're becoming obsolete, but Home Sweet Home, I went into a video store in my local area and Home Sweet Home was on the new release shelves and the man was like, "Oh my gosh, you guys get rented every single day because wow. people come in and they love that poster. They're Fantastic. like, I want that." So that's my biggest takeaway is have an amazing poster because it really is and hire people who are experts in their business. Like you shouldn't have one person do everything. You shouldn't do everything. I shouldn't do everything. I'm not a poster company. I'm not a trailer editor. Like there are things that is worth putting the money into when it comes to having someone who really knows what they're doing, creating that part of your film. You know, I can produce the movie, but I should not be in charge of making a trailer because a trailer is an art form. Yeah. Someone knows how to watch something and then go, okay, I know what I have to portray yep. to the audience for them to click buy and watch. Right. You need to hire that person. So those are a couple of the really important things that I don't think independent filmmakers know how important you don't have your friend photoshop a poster and be like i swear my friend such a good photoshop <laughs> and i'll people show me their posters and i'm like i can tell that that is not a professional poster therefore you just told everybody that your movie is not professional yeah see i've seen some that are really really bad and there's some people that do it that are really really good too so i mean it's it yeah. but there, there are you know there are some people that certainly need some work on their their posters my god some of them don't even look like they use photoshop Oh my. <laughs> and if you don't have a star name, yeah. you have to sell your concept. You're right. selling a concept if you don't have Brad Pitt. Like Home Sweet Home, the poster is a girl with an axe walking to a house and right. there's blood on the axe. It's yep. like very, you know exactly what you're getting into because they're not looking. If I don't have Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston, everyone just, they're just going to look at that picture going, do I want to see that movie? Do I want to see a girl with an axe? Obviously, some sort right. of home invasion. Okay, yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Catching Faith. You know, right. it's, it's a boy kneeling on a football field. Yep. Catching faith. It's like very easy concept. The, you get two seconds with your audience as they're scrolling through pictures and you have to grab them on a concept if you don't. Oh, that's real talk there, folks. Dropping some nuggets. <laughs> By the way, folks, if you have a question for Alexandra, <laughs> feel free to drop that in the chat and we'll make sure we get that over to her. We'll come back to this mm -hmm. film stuff in a bit. I want to yeah. talk about women in film and what does that mean to you because you do so much work for women in film and I want to know what that means for you. That's a great question. What does it mean for me? I feel like for me, it's just that I Hollywood is a boys club and it's I do a lot of stand in work on the side. So I'll be standing in for an actress on a movie and I look around the room and I'm just like, wow, this really is a guys club. And it's really hard, I think, for women to get work because not that men don't love us to death. They just don't think about hiring us. So when I started producing my own movies, for me, it was really important that I was going to give women opportunities to work as crew because right. i will think of them because <laughs> i will and you know it's 
it's just, I also feel like we need to see more films from the female gaze. I also, like when we made Home Sweet Home, my brother Andrew wrote that script and we made it about, it's a female villain and a female victim. And I was like, I've seen so many men break into a house and like rape and beat up a girl. Okay, That's we've true. seen that. Right. Have we seen a woman as the villain? Women will fuck with your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they won't beat you up. They will they're psych. They're psychotic. If you know, if you have like a crazy woman, and that's what we decided to do. So we explored that element on Home Sweet Home of like a woman who just wants to like is psychotic and is playing with this other girl like a cat and mouse chase for fun. And so it's like something different that you don't see all the time. And there actually is another Home Sweet Home that came out the same month as ours. Oh and it's a man with a mask who <laughs> breaks into a, a family's house and starts tormenting the man and woman. And I'm oh, like, geez. Yeah. We've seen that. It's like we're always trying to think like, can we do something different? And so it's really important to me that we put women in the leading role and kind of flip what you normally see. And then I also I crew up at least 51% women on Catching Faith. When all the resumes came in, if a woman had just as good as a man, I would always hire the woman just because I'm, <laughs> because I feel like in even like my guy crew, you know, because I work with Rick Galley and C. McClellan and, and these awesome people I'm working with for years, you know. If I don't do it, it's not that they don't like them. It's that they wouldn't hire them. They would probably pick the guy's resume just because it's a, it's a. What do you think that is? Yeah, because, I think it's because. And when we say Hollywood is, is dominated <laughs> by men, we're talking about white men. We aren't talking about men of color, women of color. Mm -hmm. We're talking about white males. So why do you feel that white males aren't hiring white women or any <laughs> other ethnicity or gender? I just think it's kind of what I feel like you kind of maybe hire what looks like you or what you, you know what I mean? Or, or I think a lot of people work with their friends. So right. if your friend is a white guy, you're going to hire your friend. Right. And because I hire a lot of my friends. Yeah. And then I've got to <laughs> ask you this too. I, and I believe that obviously change happens when we create the change. And I think that we, with women and with women in film, it's, it's important that women hire women, but I think it's also important that men hire women too, as well. So I, I mean, well, I have, yeah, you need men to champion women. And I am exactly. really lucky that I work with incredible guys who are champion women who, who always say yes, who hire who you want to hire. And, you know, and I, I think you just made a really good point too. Just like, like we have to be the change. So when we got the opportunity to make a, I mean, a faith-based film, I said to Ryan, our executive producer, I said, I want to make this a female driven film. Right. And he said, well, I don't know about that. There are no numbers in the marketplace to back up a female driven film. And I was like, you for faith based. And I said, you know why? Because no one's made it. it. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's done it. They, they market the faith based to the men because they want to keep the men in the seat. Yep. Even because the women buy the faith based films for their family. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Why are we not just speaking to the woman? Because she's the one who will buy in the movie. If she right. Wants to watch exactly. it. So we're talking to the men because I go, I don't even care if the guys I just had a meeting with an agent who said that to me. He was like, yeah, I, I pitched him one of my scripts and he said well uh, what well, why would i want to watch that movie and mm. that, i was so upset with that i was like right. women have to relate to men all the time i'm sorry if you can't relate to a woman and i don't care if you don't want to sit down and watch the movie because 51 percent of the population of america is women and yep. they want to see movies exactly oh my goodness <laughs> yeah i'm i'm always blown away by that that stuff makes me sick I, i'm so glad people are working to change we're, the, we're, uh, we're gonna change it and yeah. then and then catching faith that i and then you know because i'm so blessed that i work with ryan keller who's incredible he was like okay you can do a female driven football movie and i trust you guys and we did it and catching faith is doing so well in fact we're all going to cuba in october because oh, we've been invited on a movie tour nice for catching oh, faith my. for cuba that's fantastic and um, we get messages. I got a message from a woman in South Africa from mm -hmm. a village who said Catching Faith changed her life. And it was the first time she had seen herself portrayed in a movie like that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, 
Okay. When I got that message, I was like, I don't care if anyone ever sees this movie again. If that movie was made for that woman in South Africa in that village <laughs> and for her life to change, that's fantastic. then I did my job. Yep. I mean, it's so, yeah, that's it's, what it's like, all about. that's what it's all about. And it's so, it's doing so well that I'm glad and now, of course, Miracles from Heaven with Jennifer Gardner came out and yep. things are changing. But for me, it's like, I'm not going to sit around and complain about, I'm not going to go to women in film events or any event and sit there and complain. I'm like, no, we need to do something about it. Right. So I am doing so something about it. I'm not going to complain about it. I am going to write female driven stories. I am going to hire female crew members and I'm going to try to at least do what I can do to change it instead of sitting in a room and arguing or, or com- I've been in a lot of a lot oh, yeah. of discussions where right. everyone's complaining. I'm like, why are we wasting our time complaining? Why don't we all just get together and go make a movie? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's starting to happen more now for women. I think it's starting to happen for people of color. People of all different ethnicities yeah. are starting to really create content. And I think the digital era has really helped that quite a bit. So you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can make a film now. It doesn't cost you a billion dollars to just buy the film. Right. There's like just cameras everywhere. Cameras everywhere. There's no excuse that you cannot be making movies all the time. I mean, we shot at your own risk on our own time. We're about to start another movie that we're going to, we're just doing, I mean, we do this for fun. We love it. So if you love it, you should just be doing it. Even if it's only four of you, you, I mean, four of us made at your own risk and it looks amazing. It looks phenomenal. If you have a talented person behind the camera and you have a really cool backdrop, you can, you can do incredible things. Great actors. Screenplay. Great. It's it's magic. That's the way that is a movie. That's the way good movies are made. By the way, Deborah in the chat says women have economic power and we need to flex it. And Mm. I agree with her. I agree. And we need more women financiers. Like that would be really awesome. Absolutely. I'd like to meet more women financiers because when you're going to get investment and I need to be able to pitch to a woman more than just a man because a man might not be like, oh, why do we want to see this movie about a girl? And like, yep. it would be really cool if to see more women financing investors coming forward and investing into women-driven stuff. That would be really awesome to put that out there in the universe. Right, right. I mean, all my investors so far have been men and it would be really awesome to have some women, but. Yeah, I think I that is going to change. Kind of. no, no doubt yeah. about that. I think and you know, there's an. It's time. You're. Yeah, it's t- it's totally okay. changing, and I think the the hardest thing is there an uh, there's an unconscious bias happening all the time, and it's really just calling that out, being aware of it. People talk to my partner John so different than they talk to me, mm. and it's just kind of like, and even John, who's you know my partner, he until I point it out, he doesn't even see it. We'll go into a meeting and someone will say something and he'll walk, we'll walk out and go, oh my gosh, if I hadn't been with you and you hadn't been constantly showing me and pointing out the way people talk about women, I don't even know if I'd notice it. (laughs) So it's just something we have to keep like pointing out, being like, no, that's inappropriate. No, you can't talk like that. Oh, do you see what you just said? So it's just kind of, we, we have to keep just calling out the unconscious bias so that even when a person who doesn't even know like my like john he's a great guy and he's a champion of women but he wouldn't even notice what happens unless someone said did you notice that right because that's what happens it's just oh, that yeah. we're so used to it so oh i, anyway, I hear you I on that on my, do, do, oh i know i hear you on that because trust me as a man of color we're not even looked at in the room so if you right. and john and and I was in the same room. Whoever's talking to you probably wouldn't even look my direction. So try or try no, being no. a woman of color in that same oh, room. Know. You're not I even going to. You're not even going to be a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't even get I me started. Totally, on that. I know. Don't even get us started. Because, <laughs> I, mean, I just had to. I just did like three pitches in a row at studios, and I was pitching 
literally to older white men. And it was really hard for to try to get my ideas about young high school girls. I mean, I really had wow. somebody say, you know, like, well, if people actually say like, I don't get this. And I'm like, because yeah. you're not a high school girl. You were never in high school as a girl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> trust me, this is how high school girls act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I hear you. Yeah. And it kills me because I'd like to see more uh, female driven content out there. I, I personally like it a lot because <laughs> see, I'm so tired of seeing such ma- like just such so many men in so many cliche roles too as well as females in cliche roles that it's nice to see some diversity on the screen period I like a good 100%. story it's just I, I can go too. on and on and on and on and on about that <laughs> stuff so let me, me not even, too. I'm not even gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave that go for a second here my goodness we'll, got some, <laughs> well and I'll just say I, I in faith-based films I have right. seen a lot of faith-based films where they will have white people helping ethnicities and I find that to oh, be yeah. very disturbing and Me upsetting too. and so when we made Catching Faith my best friend Lorena's Latina and she's from Puerto Rico and I put her in the lead role and I was like I want to show a Latina in a the leading role not like as like the waitress getting help from the white person giving them clothing and food for their kids yeah. like it's like you know it's ridiculous and then it's so exciting because we're going to Cuba and here we're going to have Lorena's coming, and now how awesome for the women of Cuba to oh see my. a Latina from Puerto Rico as the lead in a movie. How many little girls will see her and go, oh my gosh, I can do that. Exactly. Like, I'm excited that, and, and Spanish is her first language, so we're going to have, she can translate the whole, I mean, she can be our translator when we're in Cuba. Right. And I just think that, that that to me is changing the world, that now we're going to not only be going there for women to see themselves in the leading role they're also going to see a woman who looks like them in the leading role that's that makes such a difference that is that is life-changing for some i think that's just uh, fantastic and uh i'm glad that uh Mm -hmm. you know you have the passion that you have uh, that's (laughs) cultivating change i mean that's that's the way to do it i completely agree (laughs) completely agree (laughs) in every way shape or form we have so much stuff that i want to talk to you about here let's dive into some of your uh your work, your latest work too. Would you mind talking about at your own risk? I know that's in post and you played Angie in it. And I know we haven't talked much about your acting because you're fantastic on screen. But oh, <laughs> I know you're doing a producing you. thing, you're writing, you're doing all kinds of stuff. But uh-huh. what was that experience like for you? Because I know um, Andrew obviously wrote that story. Yes. Yeah. Well, my brother Andrew wrote at your own risk, which I love Andrew because he's a really good writer for women. Yeah. Again, finding the men who can understand, because at your own risk, about two girls who go on a, a treasure hunt adventure because uh, they're testing a game because they're PR, they're PR reps and they're testing a game kind of like escape room, you know, mm-hmm. they're yep. testing this game for this company that created a high end adventure where you can pay to go to the New Mexico desert or wherever they take you and you go on this sort of geocache adventure and then things go a little crazy. Oh, I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. Mexico oh, you're killing me. You're killing yeah, me. I like and, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and Andrew wrote that script. And what's so great about it is these two women are the leads of the film. And we never once talk about a guy or a boyfriend. We talk about our jobs and we talk about other things. And yeah. when Helen and I got the script, we were like, Andrew, like props to you for doing this. Because I think a lot of other people might have written, oh, did my boyfriend call me? And what's going on back home? Like, no, they're like, and they're not afraid. And I think that's really awesome that they're not, they're not like your typical, you know, oh my gosh, like they're totally badasses. They're like, like they go on this adventure and even when nice. things get crazy they band together and get strong they don't fight with each other yeah. it's not like the this cliche, cliche of girls getting in a fight yeah, yeah they're like we have to survive this together and they come together and it's it's such a fun and so 
after making, you know, Home Sweet Home, Catching Faith, and Wish for Christmas, Wish for Christmas was our biggest budget. We had Joey Lawrence, Lee Allen Baker, Bill Ingville. We shot that a year and a half ago. And we kind of wanted to go back to our roots of just doing something for fun with like a few people, you know, the pressure of having investment and star names and it's a lot of pressure. It's so we just kind of were like, let's just go do something for fun. Andrew wrote the script, Helena, Helena really spearheaded. She was like, let's do this. And we were exhausted from Wisher Christmas. We were like, no, this will be good. So, so Rick Galley, our cinematographer, John Graham, our director, Helena and myself. By the way, we're talking about Helena Santos. Helena Santos. Yeah. Helena Santos. Yeah, she's the creator of Ms. in the Biz. She's one of my my best friends. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, We had her on the program, folks, but we're going to bring her back soon, too. But I want to talk about her, too, and Ms. in the Biz in a bit, too. Yeah, no, definitely. Right before At Your Own Risk comes out, that'd be great. Yeah, so so the four of us went back to John's parents' house, who live in Alamogordo, New New Mexico. But this time, we just used all the desert, and we got, I mean, there's just miles and miles of desert. So we used that and we got uh this place i think it's like 180 or more acres of land called the lalu's pottery mill uh it's now owned by the national society they let us shoot the movie on that property which was incredible yeah and again like you know writing something that you can make for free because you can go to the desert and it's free and you can walk around i mean nobody was like fantastic that's the way to do it that's the way to do it. Yep. So we'd literally, you know, wake up at John's parents' house. We'd pack up all the equipment, pack our back bags, and we'd trek out. We like would hike miles and miles, and then we'd shoot as we were hiking and as we. Fantastic. And um, so, and by the way, just, just interject here. Did you have to pay? You didn't. So you didn't have to like uh, get a uh, permit from the state or the city. So I know sometimes when you shoot in public places like parks and mm-hmm. theoretically, I mean, it's owned by. Did you avoid that? <laughs> yeah, well, first off, if you've ever been to Alamogordo, New Mexico, you'll see why. You oh, I see. Okay. You're, we're out of rattlesnakes the, there. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I mean, my. like, when we sh- hit John's parents' house, like, you can't even call 911. Oh, like, my. That was, that was in Home Sweet Home, and people were like, why didn't she call 911? And it, actually, in that, t- in that county, you have to call the sheriff's office. And oh, they've wow. called the sheriff, and the sheriff's not even there. So, oh, my. That is awesome. The- <laughs> It's like a whole nother world out there. So (laughs) so we didn't have to, but when we saw at the Lalu's Pottery Mill and that 180 acres of land, we did get someone who signed off saying that we had permission to shoot at the waterfall and to shoot there. And the National Society, Historical Society gave us permission to be there. So of course, yes, you have to, we did do that. We wouldn't go onto their land without permission like that, but the rest, I mean, John's parents own a lot of land, so we could just shoot on their land Mm -hmm. and you can't you know, you would just, and then they, their land borders the National Forest Society. So it's like, you can go far. No, you can't, we didn't go over there because I don't think you legally can shoot there. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is it gave us a great backdrop yeah. behind all of the locations. It's all just desert as far as you can see. Wow. How many days did you shoot, by the way? So I think we shot one week. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> seven Fantastic. days, seven days. That's a grind. We, and we would, but because it's only four of us, we shot like, I mean, so much in one day. Oh, we would awesome. literally just bang out. Yeah. I mean, we get like 10, 12 pages a day. And so we shot <laughs> for probably seven or eight days out wow. there. Mm-hmm. And then we came back to LA and we shot some pickup stuff like the opening of the movie. And mm-hmm. then Jeff Schroeder, 
who's a good friend of ours who uh, was on Big Brother. He has big social media following. He yeah. plays the host of the show. And Hunter on it. We had to go. Yeah. yeah so we, we did the majority of the filming out in New Mexico. And then we just did little pickups in L.A. That And we called in favors. We made that movie for literally the budget is $850. I love that. I <laughs> love that. That is fantastic. <laughs> I, that is awesome. I love that. It is fantastic. And it's oh, great when man. you're doing something that you have complete control over and no one's telling you how it has to be done. And we're just out there having a good time, laughing, making a movie, making it up as we go. Not really. I mean, we had a script, but you're, yeah. you're constantly making things up. And yeah. I feel like that was what was so great about Home Sweet Home and why it came out so good was half of it. We were kind of just making up as we went. We had a framework. We had a script. But if something didn't work out, we were really flexible to be like, okay, well, let's just go do this. That's not working. And, right. Right. Gotcha. And that... And sometimes those happy accidents are way better than what you even planned and scripted. That's so true. That's what it means. Yeah. Sometimes you find a lot of movie magic there. By the way, let's talk, sure. let's talk about Threshold here, a horror thriller. Oh, yeah. What was that experience like for you? Because I know there's, there's some projects that are due to be released here soon, right? Yeah, he. I think that movie just sold the Archstone. That's so. Awesome. I know Jason Eric Perlman from years ago. Just, just you know how you know people in the business. You cross yeah. paths, you work together, and we stayed friends. And then he casted me in a small role in that film, which was super awesome. And I worked for. I think it was just a one day shoot that I was there. And cool. I haven't seen the finished product yet. Yeah. I, I was working in New York and I missed the premiere that was in Los Angeles, but it's got some some great actors in it. And they, yeah, Archstone's a great company. And I know that they just announced that they sold it to that. So it's oh, going to be coming out. Oh my. Yeah. How about To the New Girl post-production? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that is a collection of... Um, it was a play. It was originally a play in, in New York and mm. Los Angeles. And it's a collection of... Uh, like monologues said by women who've been like scorned by mm -hmm. their man mm -hmm. and they're they're giving advice to the woman who's taking over their man <laughs> mm. like like to the mistress who's oh, now going to be the wife i see and it's it's written so beautifully the, the writer is such a good writer and i got my my character yes. Samantha. And I just was like, yeah, I was just like, this is so easy because it was so well written. I was like, wow, this is one of the because the monologue was like five pages and I just have to go right through it. But I was able to memorize it so fast. Like it was written so well. well. And we shot it. We shot the whole film in a stage like we are talking to an audience as a monologue, oh, like a fantastic. one woman show. Yeah, that's so, pretty cool. Like it was cool really project. cool, and I, I got to see some of the other women performances, and yeah. I think it's going to be a really interesting film. I'm very excited about that one. Dawn Knowles in that, too. She's uh, She was on this program. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, so uh, yeah. pretty cool. Sounds like a pretty cool project. Obviously, there's you've got a lot of stuff in motion, uh, but I, I wanted to know if there's anything else that you have that you'd want to share while we have you on the program, anything that we should look out for that we haven't talked about well wish for christmas and i know yeah. it's only, i know it's july it's, august yeah, it's, it's august we got a little time so this christmas by the way you're right the writer the of this uh, film and the uh you obviously you're the producer of it too so yeah mm -hmm. that well the faith base my sister andrea and john and i write together yeah and we wish for Christmas is kind of really dear to my heart because we came up with that idea because i'm a minister's kid and when i was you know younger I, my parents were kind of strict but in a good way. They were great. They were great parents, but they were strict. And I always thought, oh, if my parents weren't Christians. I could get away with more things. Yeah. So that was kind of the idea for Wish for Christmas about a, uh, a self-centered senior girl in high school who doesn't get everything that she wants. And mm -hmm. then she wishes her parents faith away. Mm -hmm. And then the next day she wakes up and it's come true. And she sees what her what her parents are like when the light of Jesus has been removed from their heart. 
Mm. So it's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life meets Mean Girls. Oh, I like that. That's a pretty cool combination. Exactly. <laughs> good way it to was, describe it. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I'm sold. Shot it in, That's a good pick. I even sold. Great. Well, this Christmas, pick up a copy. I know, it, seriously. It'll be, it was, I like it was in Redbox and it was in Walmart and yeah. I'm hoping that every Christmas it keeps getting picked up and that's why doing a holiday movie can be really good because from 10 years from now, I can still be put back on the shelves of Walmart, put back into Redbox and... Yeah, it's cool stuff. I've seen the cover art, so I know. I, yeah, well, I'm actually familiar mm-hmm. with it, so I'm kind of actually curious about that. I love a good Christmas movie, and, and it's nice to see a good faith based movie too. Yeah, uh, but don't I don't see too many of them, but I mm-hmm. uh, I like them uh, because they well, are, yeah, we they make you we happy. try to do it. Yeah, I mean, we they're just you know morally good films too. Yeah. It's not like we don't want to make we're not yeah, preaching not anyone. Preaching. We're not trying to convert anybody with our films. Right. We are really trying to speak to someone who maybe already believes and then it's just sort of woven into the story because the characters believe that not so much we're not like trying to speak to the audience like oh my gosh you have to believe in god and throwing bibles at people's heads we really try to find a way to really incorporate it into the story so it just feels very organic that that's just part of their life they're just happen to be believers you know absolutely like catching faith it's very it's just very woven in because they believe in God, not so much pre- preaching to, so that the audience is watching. I, yeah, that was the, the nicest compliment hmm. I think we've ever gotten is that people will watch it and say, I never felt for a minute it was coming off the screen into me. Yeah. I was watching a character is dealing with a circumstance because of the way they live their life. All right. And, mm-hmm. and we're not, a lot of Christian films are made from Christians who aren't filmmakers. Well, we're filmmakers who are believers. So we first tell a story. We know how to tell a story. And I think that's the problem with a lot of Christian films is they they feel like they have to sell a sermon. And there's such a difference between a sermon and a story. We're telling a story. And then if you pick up something that that speaks to you or or gives you hope or anything, that's awesome. But really, first first and foremost, our job is to tell a good story and ask really important questions. Like we want to, like a a good movie, you ask people questions and you let them walk away and talk about it. Right. That's that's the truth. So that's like (laughs) what our films do. Very cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. so much I know. that's a fun movie yeah. and we shot that in my hometown so oh, that was that. like a dream for me i brought it back to georgetown massachusetts yeah we shot in my father's church oh, we cool. shot in my graduating high school we shot in my town square oh, so it was like God. for me it was so nostalgic i was like i brought home a movie to make a movie and it's a christmas movie and it's so that movie had a had a lot of love wrapped around it oh, my and everyone involved was family and friends like it was a it was a really awesome life experience. That is my I hope dream. All my movies are that good. I, yeah. I feel That's you on that. That's my dream to shoot in my hometown, Pittsburgh. I mean, if you have a script for Pittsburgh, a horror script yeah. or anything, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> in. I am in. As, as a filmmaker, I am just dying to do work in my hometown. Yes. It's just uh, you should. It, uh, yes, and in, we got so many. All of those locations where you see Wish for Christmas. No, we didn't pay for any of the locations. They were oh, all given my. to us, and I recommend people do that when you want to do an independent film. Locations can be the most expensive part. Yep. So we shot we shot Catching Faith in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. They gave us football stadiums. People came out to be extras for free. Oh, they gave us God, houses. Awesome. And same with Wish for Christmas. We didn't have to pay for any location, but we had people involved that believed in what we were doing. And I think a lot of people are so desperate for content that's clean yeah. and fun and yeah. for families that when we tell people what we're doing, they're like, oh, my gosh, yes. Because, you know, there's a lot of, like, stuff going out these days. A lot of that dark stuff. Are, 
a lot of dark stuff and I think people <laughs> want because we'll have a lot of people come to our movies and say you know I'm not a, I'm not a Christian yeah. but I bring my kids because I know there'll be nothing I have to worry about right exactly right and I'm like and we we, we want to get the dove you know the dove award which is the five star yeah, dove five star. 100% family friendly yeah and in order to get that you know well also we I don't want kids to watch stuff where you have to I, I have nieces and nephews I don't Cover the like eyes, some huh? of the stuff that they're yeah it's, seeing, it's so pretty I, intense nowadays yeah even like, on give them something TV. just have fun yeah like, yeah. like Back to the Future when I was a kid, oh, know. you know, there were such great movies that there was nothing, not a ton of swearing, not a ton, it was just like Indiana Jones, it was just fun. Yeah, fun. Something, something imaginative, fun, everybody imaginative, can go to. the Goonies. Yeah, the yeah. Goonies, yeah. Oh, goodness, you're getting me all fired up over here. Miss. We need to get back to those. We need to get back to <laughs> the right? 80s. Let's go back. I know, seriously, <laughs> seriously, it's so, so true. Now, your work as an outreach coordinator for Miss and the Biz yeah. And a co-collaborator, obviously, on the book Thriving in Hollywood. Can you explain your role as an outreach coordinator? And we've mentioned Helena already, but I'd love to just talk about that a bit, too. Yeah, well, I I just became such an advocate for Ms. in the Biz. And Helena came to me when she first started Ms. in the Biz and was like, would you write for it? Now, this is right when I moved back to Los Angeles after three years in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was in the process of post-production on Home Sweet Home and trying to figure out how to sell it. And her and I met at a restaurant where we worked together. And she was like, would you, you know, start writing as a producer? And the fact that you just made your first feature film. And I was like, I'd love to write for the site. And we both just shared that women in film mentality of like, we need to be the change. We need to encourage other women and show other women that they can do it and, and give voices to women. Yeah. And, and that was kind of at a time where that wasn't such. Now it's a it's very popular, you know, subject matter. But oh, at yeah. that time, people weren't talking about it that much. Mm -hmm. So, so I was like, absolutely, I'll write for the site. So I started writing for the site, and then I just was such an active member with her, and like everywhere I went, I would talk about it, and I would, you know, I was a member of Women in Film, so I'd go to all these events, and I'd constantly be telling everybody to go to a checkout Ms. in the Biz, and so <laughs> then I just, I, then she's like, well, you kind of are the outreach coordinator because you are constantly telling everybody to come to Ms. in the Biz and driving traffic there, yeah. and I was, I really, really believed in what what she created and I loved Fantastic. it and that's why I wrote every I wrote one article every month for three years and then her and I co-collaborated on that book and I was like what if we like do like a coffee table book and right. sometimes it's really fun mm -hmm. for someone to have like the actual book and yep. and she had like three I mean thousands of articles and her and I went through all the articles and we picked out sort of what we we kind of said this is what we wish we had when we moved here like oh, I was like this yeah. is a love letter to my 19 year old self who moved to Hollywood and didn't know anybody right. I let's give back to all those people what I didn't have when I was a kid and mm. and that's kind of what that book is and it's such a great so much good information in there and and if anyone goes to that website Ms. in the Biz there's articles and pun articles that yeah, will educate you inspire you yeah drive you forward and i feel like everybody needs to feel like they can do it like i'm doing it and i come from nothing my dad's a minister i didn't have my dad's not in the movie industry like we just got together with a bunch of friends and was like let's just do it and we got talented people make sure you find the most talented people oh, find yeah. people better than you like i have no ego i'm like everybody on my team is better than me and that's good because that means it's gonna be awesome you know yeah so that's what i do with ms in the biz and i i'm really proud of that and what helena did and she's so true my goodness now where you are approaching sort of the end of the program yeah, there's a few questions oh. that i so much more that i want to ask you i have to bring you back for sure because there's yeah. so much more to ask you and to talk I about know. but uh i want to ask a couple more things here one is are there any female directors that you want to work with 
Jane Campion. Is that yes. is that how you say your last name? Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Yeah. She's the piano. Yep. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Uh, Patty Jenkins. Oh, yes. I just heard her speak after Wonder Woman screening for women in film. And I was just in the front seat, just like, yeah, I love her. I loved everything she had to say. I loved how she talked about, again, like, don't complain, work hard and get out there. She talked about that. And I was just sitting there having goosebumps the whole time being like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, she was like, I don't sit and complain. I am out there and I work hard and I earn what I have. And, you know, Salute you do it. Yeah. Like, she's like, be prepared. And so I love her and I would love to work with her. Cool. Cool. Good stuff. Anybody else? Any friends? Uh, anybody else that you... Uh have in mind and are you cool with working with male directors i mean obviously you have well i have yeah john, so I'm, John's yeah, john director is for everything yeah, for, and he's great okay. well like i said i mean working with with men who champ i mean he loves telling female driven stories I and mean, yeah. that's like the you know dream to find a guy who's like yes i, I champion women i want to tell that that's interesting i see that's interesting because i love that too all of my movies i have done even shorts have been uh female driven and I've mm-hmm. purposely made it that way so that, that I could create change too as well. Uh, yeah. And also because I just get tired of men being the protagonist, you know, the protagonist, antagonist right. of films. I mean, it's like, come I mean, on. Goodness gracious. Uh, it's, just, uh, <laughs> it's just kind of boring after a while. It's like eating the same crackers all the time. It's just like you would get candy or whatever. It's just sandwich or whatever it is, pizza. You can't even eat the same daggone style pizza all the time. Uh- you just get tired of it. So I totally, I 100% agree with you. Cool, cool. I'm so glad that. Uh, good. You Thank uh, you for doing that. Oh Thanks yeah, it's, that. it's so so critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to know that uh, you're open to that kind of collaboration. No yeah, and that. I mean, like I said, so many of my team members are men. Yeah, it's just that. Uh, that's why it's like i'm not saying and i don't think any women should say oh i want to take over i'm not really and i'm, I'm not an advocate for this 100 percent female crew female that's, that's not that's I kind don't of the reverse of what that. we already have it, it's the reverse of what we're doing yeah. we just want an equal seat at the table yeah absolutely i'm not asking that i want to take over the table i just want to sit at the table and have an equal say and and be able to tell stories like from an equal a viewpoint of like that's why it's so great when john and andrea and i write together because we have the guy's point of view and the woman's point of view and we can both go in there it's like i I'm not a guy. I can't like write 100% what a guy would think because I'm not a th- guy. Just like same with the, you know, whereas like when a woman is the, at the writing room, it's really awesome because we can be like, well, actually, this is how a woman thinks. And like, yeah, right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. same with guys. So it's, uh, for me, it's just like having, you know, a great balance of women and men. And I think it's really good on set too. Wish for Christmas. We had a great balance of men and women. Yeah. And it's really, I think it's really important to pretty much for me, there has to be a woman in every single department. Good stuff. Just because I, I want them to get the credit. I want them to move upward. It's like you have to, in this business, you have to build credits. And if you, how do you get them if you don't already have them? Absolutely. So I want to give it to people so that they can continue to work up and yeah. become. And I'm going to challenge yes. you too. I want to see some people of color in your films, miss. Yes. Okay. Yes, because, I agree. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, come on now. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you that challenge. I'm going to put that in your ear, an earworm well, for you. you. No, I know. I'm aware. I'm calling yes. folks out mm-hmm. on that crap. <laughs> yes, as you should. As oh you my! Should. <laughs> but um, yeah, we are approaching sort of the end of the uh, the program here. By the way, is there a character that you've been wanting to play that you haven't had an opportunity to play yet? You know, in an act from an acting standpoint. Yes, I've always my dream has always been in a period piece. Yeah, that seems to be popular. I guess it's that whole kind of diving back into time or ahead in time. 
I just, oh, but I want to do that. So I was like a little girl. Yeah. Like, you go in the woods and you play make believe, you know, when you're a kid. And I would always play make believe that I was like the queen or princess of a of a castle. And a, so that that whole like. I guess not so much Game of Thrones. I was more thinking Victorian time, like Queen Elizabeth time. Um, just a period piece. I yep. feel like getting to, that's like getting to play dress up and play make believe. And, and I'd also love to do the wild, wild west. Like oh, nice. anytime, yeah. that would be super fun to cool. ride horses and shoot guns. And- <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that is actually pretty cool. Yeah, that would be actually fun. Uh, yeah, we actually were talking to someone about doing a faith. We might be hired to produce a faith-based Western. Really? In, yeah, and I was like, I'm uh, in. And also New Mexico, you know, I know so many people in New Mexico, we could go shoot it out in New Mexico. And the only thing that scares me a little bit is about horses and animals. Yeah. Getting that, those are really expensive. But Oh, yeah, true. Besides that, a Western and a yeah. period piece. Those are my two, like, dreams yeah. to get to. Oh. We haven't had any good Westerns come out in a long time. Someone's going to make an awesome Western. I know, right? Seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There needs to be a female directed one too, as well. I mean, like, yeah. You know. Well, we need a lot. Yeah, you know, we don't. We have like what five female directors <laughs> directing studio movies. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's outrageous. <laughs> it's really outrageous to say. It really least. is. <laughs> it's so upsetting. I can't. I can't even go there. That's another talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I hear you on that. Now, advice. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be someone listening to this podcast that may want to do what you're doing right now. And maybe they don't have the courage. Maybe they don't have the resources. Right. Even advice mm-hmm. for somebody that might be listening and might need a little bit of encouragement there. Yes, just do it. And literally, even if you have like three friends, you find, you now you can write. I always tell people, write around a location you can get for free. Make sure it's an interesting location. Make sure it has something that, that can make the story interesting. It's not just like a room with white walls. That's yeah. not interesting. Mm-hmm. You want to find a location that you can get for free. And then write something really cool around that. I mean, when we did the Home Sweet Home, there was like, you know, a door that dropped a couple feet down. That was like a great mm. set piece that we could yeah. use. It had a trap door that went to a tunnel. Oh, my. We went and we like scouted out the location and we wrote everything around what we could use. It was super interesting from that location. Yeah. But it looks like we made that for the movie, but actually we made the movie for those pieces that we had. Oh, Roger that. And, I see. Yeah. And so, and find, find your tribe. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere if i didn't have my group of filmmakers that as you see on imdb we do everything together yeah where and they're fine people who are passionate and don't care about the money or they just care about being part of your team and then what's really awesome this is what we learned because we started obviously we had no money everybody who came on board was because it was passionate and then we had a lot of people say no to me and now years later they're like could i work with you now and i'm like you know what actually i'm gonna go work with that person who worked with me when i had nothing And and we have proven to people that we will take the movie from conception completion. We will sell the movie. And if you can prove that and you can keep building your way up, then more and more people will want to work with you. And then you, but be loyal to the people that were there when you had nothing. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I still use the same sound designer. I use the same composer because every time we get another job, we get more money so we can actually pay them. And so you should pay the people who were there and worked for free. Be loyal to the people who were there in the beginning. That's, that is great, great advice. Now, Mm -hmm. Alexandra, I've got to do something here to you that I'm really going to regret doing but i've got to do this i I do this to all of my guests and uh Uh you know it's uh it's something that i must do and oh god i really kind of hate to do this to you been so wonderful and it would be so rude of me to do this but i'm going to give you an opportunity to opt out it's kind of like my own uh fun room here and uh i've got to do this to you just because you've been on this program and 
you know, you have a choice. You've only got two choices to continue or to opt out. And I'm going to put the, uh, I'm going to give you that opportunity to, to opt out. What do you think? What do you, you want to do it? Or <laughs> think uh, well, how much longer? You mean to keep, to keep having the interview? Well, I can't, you know, I'm, this is some, um, I can't give you much of, I don't, I, it would be so <laughs> unfair. If, well, believe it or not, I'm actually going canoeing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I do have an appointment to get well, a canoe. This, and well, this, canoeing. Won't be, this won't interfere with that. This is just something I've got to do to you. That, then uh, I'm not going to opt out. No. Oh, so you're going to dive right in here. Well, I'm, I'm going to dive in. I'm not going to hold you back any out. longer. Okay, well. I'm diving in. <laughs> <laughs> All that for this. Now, this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves now. We've had some embarrassing fun facts here. Oh, Alexandra, we've had all kinds of fun facts. Oh gosh, fun and fact. I'm going to have you share a fun fact. Something that people don't know about you, though, so they've got to listen to this and learn something new about you. And the spotlight is on you. The floor is yours. A fun fact, Alexandra. Uh, but it has to be fun, not, 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 not fun. It can be embarrassing. How about an embarrassing one? You got one? Uh, well, I peed on myself on a date. <laughs> Like for real. I like love that. On. Was it a haunted house or you know just random? No, we, the guy, <laughs> the guy that I was dating. This is years ago. I was like 22 years old. I was dating this guy. Took me on a date and he took me in his jeep to like way out to the cliffs of Los Angeles. Oh. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad. It's my <laughs> embarrassing story. And I was like, I'm gonna go over there to go to the bathroom because we were like in the middle of nowhere in this cliff place. And I went to go pee and the I went completely into my pants. Oh. Like I like missed the ground. And it just streams in my head. Oh, no. And it's probably one of the most humiliating things that's ever happened You know to what? The, but I think that's happened. I mean, we had a guy, not actually, <laughs> a, actually last show, who uh, who uh, had the squirts. I'll just put it that way. He had a, a little bit of bubble guts going on there on the uh, freeway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's so weird. Anything with a bodily fluid is just embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but a, it happens, cool and fact. you know, yeah. he—I never, I never went on a second date with him. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask me out again. I think I'm, <laughs> it was uh, terrible. That is I a just, great yeah. fun fact, by the way, folks in the chat are cracking up. Pepper's like, we love bathroom stories. That's great. Yeah, she called for the uh, embarrassing fun fact there. So shout out to Deborah is listening live there, and shout out to everybody that's listening to this live right now. Hilarious to say the least. That is a great, great fun fact. <laughs> Now, I know you've got to go. I want to ask you how folks can get in touch with you. How can folks, uh, you know, stay up to date with everything you've got going Great. on? Great. Yes. Well, you can sign up for my newsletter at mustardseedent.com. Mustardseedent.com. Please go to atyourownriskmovie.com and sign up for that because we're going to be releasing that movie and we're self-distributing ourselves. So we're going to be like Yay. trying to get the word out, make sure we don't have, yeah, we're doing this all by ourselves. So we'd love you to sign up there so that we can tell you when the movie's coming and how we did, you know, behind the scenes and pictures and sharing the process of making an $800 feature film. I'm also on Instagram at Alexandra Boylan. I'm on Twitter at a Boylan four, and I'm also on Facebook and, and I'm pretty active and please feel free to write to me. If you see my movies and you like it, let, let us know. Cause I think people are always afraid to tell people that they like their stuff because they yeah. think we get that a lot but we don't actually sometimes i never know i'm like i'd love to know did you like it yeah yeah good stuff <laughs> write her folks send her a, write me you know, let say, me know <laughs> yeah let her know you you heard her on this podcast too as mm -hmm. well you've seen our movies my goodness 
And I teach one-on-one consultations. Yeah. If anybody wants to talk about how to make a movie from conception to completion, it's a lot longer than just an hour podcast. So I can do that for people. I can like walk them through the entire process of making a film. So reach oh, out salute to me. To that. Salute to that. Maybe we'll have you come back and talk about that a little bit and what the, the services, more of the services that you do offer, and the, especially the consultations and whatnot, because I'm sure that would yeah. be very valuable for people to uh, obviously invest in. So, you yes. know, it has certainly been a pleasure having you on this program this here fun thank oh, you my. so much it has been a treat and again shout out <laughs> to everybody that's listening if you weren't able to listen to this live here then obviously the podcast version will be available and uploaded here in a few days but i think it's time to fade out what do you think alexandra i think so i gotta go canoeing all right well have fun with that that is fantastic i did that once happy summer yeah that is that is awesome well i'm gonna just we'll sign off here but ladies and gentlemen that was alexandra i'll let you say your last name Alexandra. Alexandra Boylan. <laughs> Alexandra Boylan. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I was trying to give you a cue there, but I, I kind of botched it. But on that note, we will be back with more after this break. So hang tight, folks, here. We're going to have some closing remarks, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast. What a great morning slash afternoon it has been. But before we wrap, I want to thank our guests today. I do that every show, I swear. I'm so used to doing the show at night that the morning throws me for a loop. It's amazing how our minds are programmed that way. But I want to thank everybody that's tuned in here this morning and slash afternoon. And I am about to get some lunch. But I want to thank our guest, Alexandra Boylan. What a great discussion. That was so much insight. And she's really doing some great things to change the industry, making some wonderful films. And my gosh, she shared so many pointers on how to get films made that I hope folks will really tune into and you know take notes because she certainly gave us a, uh, a clinic there on how to get a film made and distributed for that matter. Also want to thank all of you for tuning in live here. Those that are in the chat, really appreciate you all tuning in this afternoon and certainly wishing you a lovely rest of your Sunday and a you know, wonderful Sunday evening. Hopefully you're relaxing out there. I appreciate you all tuning in and you know, spending some time here and soaking up all this wonderful knowledge. So yeah, please spread the word about the show. The show does not survive without the ears out there. We need these listeners to tune in to these wonderful